Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen? amen. It's good to see you this morning on our brand new series. How many are excited about Bless This Home? Amen? Yep, we're excited about it, and um, we're going to start this morning with mom and dad. I mean, we need God's blessing there first, and then we're going to go from there to the kids, how to raise awesome children, and then we're going to talk about till debt do us part, the third one, and the fourth message, we're going to go back to the parents, talk a little bit about them. I'm not sure exactly what that fourth one is, but this morning we're going to talk about this, how to have a great marriage. Now, I do about six counseling sessions a week, so we could actually say on marriage, okay, so we can actually say that this church needs it, right? How many of you want God to bless your marriage? Raise your hands. How many just don't want that? So really, everybody here wants God to bless. How many want God to bless your children? Raise your hand. How many want God to bless their finances? I mean, there's no way. We all want God's blessing in every aspect of our lives. Amen? And so let's begin with a word of prayer, asking God to really help us to open our hearts and our minds. And on your chair, there should be this. How many have one of these? Hold it up. Men, hold this up with your pen in your hand. On the back side, take notes, all right, as we go through this. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you so much for this opportunity that we have just to dig into your word. And we pray, Father, as we dig into it, that you would speak to every one of us where we're at spiritually, and especially on the topic of our spouses. So, Father, we pray that you would give each one of us insight to help us go to that next level in our relationship with our spouse. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How to have a great marriage. You would probably agree that the culture, our culture doesn't have the answer to that question. Okay, they, they don't know how to have a great marriage. However, just coming to church is not the answer either. Because they tell us in the statistics that 2 to 3% higher is the divorce rate amongst Christians than non-Christians. That statistic should tell us something. That just coming on Sunday morning doesn't make your marriage great. You actually have to be, as we talked about in our small groups, James chapter 1 and verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Okay, we come to church and we hear, and then sometimes we leave and we don't put to practice what God speaks to us about, or in our small group, or in our devotion. That's the key to having a great marriage is take the principles that are found in his word and put them in practice in our lives, in our daily lives, and in the relationship with our spouses. We need to know, listen very carefully, we need to know our spouse's heart and our spouse's needs. We need to know that. And we need to stay away from our self-centeredness to lean in to our spouse's need. Know what they are. And then unselfishly meet those needs. The problem is sometimes we get wrapped up in ourselves, don't we? When our wife says something, our spouse says something, we get a little bit defensive. 
How many here are a little sometimes defensive with your spouse? Okay, we, 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 get, we tend to get that way. When they say something, we just bark back, all right? Never, ever a good sign. Listen to what Jesus said, what we're going to put it on the screen, in Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, you can follow on the screen. Verse 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follow it is wise. So he's talking about the Word of God. Anybody that listens to the Word of God and follows it is wise. He's like a person that builds his house on a foundation. So he's, he's saying that if you build your house upon a rock, you're, you're wise. But if you build your marriage on a foundation of the teaching of Jesus Christ, you're also wise. And then he goes on. Though the rains came in torrents and the floods uh, floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. All right, the rock. But, verse 26, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. He likes a person who, uh, when the rains came and the floods came and the winds beat against the house and the, the, it was collapsed with a mighty crash. Why? Because he built his house upon the foundation. So the, the key is here this morning. Seriously, the key is to listen and write these things down so you can follow through. I'm going to give you six words, six principles that's going to help you have a better marriage. Really, a great marriage. Okay, five principles. Let's just dive into them. Number one, they all start with A, acceptance. All right, acceptance. Now, Romans chapter 15 and verse 7 tells us to accept each other just as Christ has accepted us. Well, we know how he's accepted us unconditionally, right? And so we need to accept each other that way because it's very important because 70% of the people that are in marriages have married different people. Differences. They have differences. All right? Majorly. Judy and I are like night and day different. I mean, it's like oil and water. How many, how many are like that in, in your marriage? I mean, you're just different. That's all? Uh-huh. The other is saying, I'm not raising my hand. All right. Let me just give you some illustrations of this, okay? Differences are good, though, however. All right? You eat food with a fork and a knife, not with two knives. All right? Someone said if you, if you have two people that always agree, one of them is not necessary. All right? Differences are good. It just doesn't mean they're wrong. It's, it's actually good to have things in common. All right, the differences that attract you to the person, however, is sometimes the differences today after marriage that attacks each other. Because after you've been a, together a while, those, those differences become irritations. And God has been so wonderful to put opposites together. Is there anybody that's an early riser in, in your yeah, early riser? I love, to har- I, I love to just sleep till noon if I have my way. My wife gets up like at 3, 4 in the morning. I mean, she's an early riser, 5, 6, whatever. She, she gets up early. I love to hibernate till noon. All right, some of, us, some of us like to talk, all right? They love to tell stories and express, you know, themselves in a great way, and others are deaf and dumb. 
All right? Some people love, love to spend money, extravagant spenders. And then, of course, your spouse's tightwad. These are just some differences that people have. Some love to be on time. Others are never on time. When it comes to sex, one is very romantic, supercharged, atomic bomb, supernova. The other is a dud. One of you, when it comes to romance, drops everything. The other one just says, drop dead. All right. One's down the earth. Probably the other is a space cadet. All right. Impulsive, daring. The other is cautious and reserved. You know that when you go to a restaurant with some of these people, that takes them 15 minutes to decide. Then they say, honey, can you help me? And then they're still not ready. Okay. So listen, seriously, differences doesn't mean it's wrong. Differences are a good thing. The key is to accept your spouse's differences. Listen very carefully. Go beyond that. Embrace your spouse's difference. And then take the next level and celebrate your spouse is different. It, what, what happens is they get on our nerves. And so we sometimes we're just like up here rather than looking at completely different. We thank God for their differences. We just we're excited. Uh, illustration. I'm making the bed, right? A couple, couple of days ago. My wife walks through the room. Now, when I'm making the bed, I don't want her around. Seriously, because she sees all the lumps underneath the, the, the blanket on top, you know. So, so she, I'm, I'm, and she, she, can't, she cannot just walk past it and leave it alone. She turns in and starts, I said, get out of here. Go. I walk over, grab her, and push her out the, room, out the door. And then I made the bed. It was fantastic. We're just different. She's neat as a pin. I'm neat, you know, pig pen, right? Just, I'm neat as just the pig pen. Listen, we, we need, I, I went to a conference years ago, um, three or four years after we was married, and found out I am a melancholy. I'm easygoing, the best personality in the world. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Thank you. She's a melancholy, all right? The better personality than mine. Okay, but the point is there's four different, and, and we really learned back then how to, appreciate each other and, and literally make fun of each other. I mean, have fun with the differences because there's a lot. There's a lot of that you have to, rather than get irritated and mouth off all the time. And I've been around people that have been, you know, they've been married for several years and just like chewing on each other because of these differences that mean nothing. So celebrate. Get to the place where you embrace, you accept and you celebrate. You thank God for the differences. All right. Number two, attention. These are principles that can change your life. All right. Attention. First Peter chapter one and verse 22 says, love one another deeply from the heart. Sixteen times the Bible tells us to love one another. How do you spell love? Attention. If you love someone, right, you're going to pay attention. And every one of us needs attention, right? 
when you was a, when you was a child, remember? Watch, mommy, mommy, watch, dad, dad, watch. Now, we still want that, right? We're just not that blatant. We still want attention of our spouses, and we want attention of other people. We, we want attention by the way, right, the way we dress sometimes. We want people's attention. How about the cars we drive? We want people's attention by the plaques we have on the wall. I mean, we just need attention. And when you give your spouse attention, I mean, it elevates their value. Remember when you first were married? Compare how absorbed you were with them compared to now, how absorbed you are with them. You ever notice when you go out, you can always tell the married people that have been married for quite some time. You ever went to a restaurant and people have been married for a long time and they just sit there? And their spouse is right here, and they're both just kind of looking at people. Go to the park, and you can tell they're just walking, and they're not talking. They're just looking on. They're watching people. And those that are, are, are you know, just dating, I mean, they're totally absorbed in each other. They're holding hands. they got their arms around each other, and they're looking. They don't even watch where they're going. They don't have no clue they're in public. Right? They have no clue. That's where you used to be. And your wife desires that your husband desires that attention i want to go to first uh, peter chapter 3 verse 7 this is vital in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wife treat your wife with understanding live together she is she may be weaker than you are let's go back to the first one all right go back to the first part okay husbands give honor the word honor there literally means value. Give your spouse value. When you, when you give your wife attention, you give your husband attention, you're telling them that you value them more than anything else. Let me give you, let me get, real quickly, because we've got so much to get to. Let me give you three th- ways you can value your spouse. All right? Now, three things you can do. Now, and then when I'm done, my wife's going to come up here. And she's going to tell you about, you know, kind of some rough years that we had. And this was a problem for me. Not for her, but for me. And she's going to go through that because I want to be transparent. We want God's blessing and we need to put the word of God into practice. We need to value our spouses above anything else. And we all do, but we don't show it. We put other things ahead of our spouses. Let me give you just three things real quick and then Judy will come up. Number one, encourage them with your words. Words of encouragement. All right? Lift them up. I mean, sometimes when you're going through a rough time, you just need to step beside your spouse and say, hey, no matter what we go through, we're going to work this out. I'm never going to leave you. That is powerful. When I got married... My wife, my mom was married five times. When I first got married, I told Judy, I said, we're never going to use the word divorce. It came up the first week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Never use the word. All right. Number two, stand with them. Especially stand with your wife. Okay. Let me just, sometimes we struggle with insecurities. And women sometimes struggle with the insecurity of the way they look. Amen. Just, just, a, it's just a fact of life. 
You know, and this, let me just give you a clue, okay? When you're looking in the mirror and you're both standing there and she's just griping about this or that and you're just like, because we're logical, right? What do you see? Are you blind? I mean, I mean, do you? I mean, that's the worst thing to say, man, there's something wrong with you because you're gorgeous. That's what we feel in this. And sometimes we say that rather than stepping beside them. Because you, <laughs> I love the commercial with, with Abraham Lincoln. His wife puts a dress on. And she goes, does this make me dress look fat? And he goes, just a little bit. <laughs> just step beside your wife and say, hey, I don't know what you're going through. I know you're thinking this, but I don't see it. But I'm here. I love you. Your body is fantastic to me. <laughs> Your body is fantastic. I mean, just be honest. Stand with them. Now, I want you to write this down because this is a powerful, powerful principle. All right? Learn this years ago. All right? When your spouse has problems... That moment, instead of you getting defensive and upset because, I don't know what you're having problems, but I'm going to fix it. And you jump in or you're having problems, so you take that personally and you get upset and you mean, rah. It's your opportunity. Are you hear me? Her problem, his problem, is your opportunity to show unconditional love. It's your greatest opportunity to run to her rescue, to run to his rescue, to be there for them, to step beside them and, and encourage them. Young people, you need to be writing too. All right, yeah, there you go. Didi's writing. Ah. Didi, you're, you guys don't need to write that down. We don't want you. We want you to slow down. I'm kidding. Go ahead and write. Okay. But see this? Isn't that great? That's a great principle, guys. Great principle. When they go through problems, it's your moment to jump in. Number three, compliment them three times a day. Three times. Especially if your wife is struggling with the way she looks. All right? That's, that, that's just, I'm talking from a man's point of view, so these things are just going to keep popping up. All right? So uh, at this time, my wife is going to come and just share a little bit honestly from the heart some things that that happened when we were first married i hope that's when not not yesterday going on with all this work and everything so that's not quite what i was thinking it was going to be but okay i i'm i am a visionary and i can see that you know this is going to be okay because like at the end of the tunnel because once we get the business going and everything's going to be great and so then um, we built our first house, and about a year into that, God calls him to preach. Okay, this is awesome. This is, this, is, this is really good. Didn't quite sign up for that, but okay, we'll make this work, you know. And so um, we moved back. We sell the house. We moved back to Indianapolis, and he goes to college. All right? So we moved again. All right? And so that's like number six in like two years. Um, so he's going to school. And in order to, you know, supply for the families, we've got to work because we've got, you know, kids and everything now. And, and I would stay at home mom and I was babysitting and doing some things like that to bring in extra income. And so um, he works, literally goes to work like 6 o'clock in the morning and works full time and some overtime 
comes home, grabs a bite to eat, goes to school because he is, is doing nighttime school since he works. So that was full time. So I'm still not really seeing the us that I had signed up for. There's him and there's me and there's the kids, but there's not an us. But I knew that it was going to come because I knew school was not going to last forever. And so it was okay. I was willing to work through this. I was willing to make it, you know, whatever I need to do. And so at the end of school, um, God called us to Nebraska. All right? Couldn't wait to go. So he graduates on Sunday. We literally have things in the truck on Friday, and we're gone. Um, even though I would miss my family, I couldn't wait to get out of town because who do I know in Nebraska? Nobody. Guess what? It's going to be us. I can't wait. Breaks. Didn't quite work that way. Because when we get there, we've got to start this church. It was the very first church that we ever started. So you don't just sit in your home hoping that somebody shows up. You've got to do something about it. Back then, things were different than now. We didn't do events and stuff like that. He actually knocked on over 700 doors by himself the first month. By himself. Now, some of those were maybe just leaving um, like a brochure or whatever about the church um, if, they, if they weren't home. But if they were home... Then he would sit and visit with them. He actually had a survey that he went through with them. So that took time. You know, and so that wasn't just like a couple hours a day. It was all day into the evening. <sighs> okay. Again, this wasn't what I signed up for. Where's the us that I hoped we were going to find in Nebraska? It wasn't there. So we're probably about eight months into um, the, the, the church. And we actually had it in our home. So not only did I have... The upstairs was our home, but the main floor was the church. And so we outgrew that, and we moved into a little white building. And so now, by now, he is still doing other things. So we've, we've got people coming, so he's building relationships. He's going on a basketball team, and he's playing golf, and now he's doing counseling, and he's preparing for Sunday. And <laughs> where's us? Now I'm starting to get frustrated. I'm starting to not be happy in this relationship. And so um, I remember, like it was yesterday, we argued about something. I can't remember what that was. I'm sure I was right. That's the only part I remember. <laughs> um, and so we're, I, we were opening the screen door, and I turned to him, and I said, you know what? This is the way Christ loved the church. I'm out. Done. I wasn't mad. I didn't yell and scream. But I was serious. I knew the scripture taught that the husband was supposed to love the wife the way that Christ loved the church. And this is it. I'm done. Because this is not what I want. This is not what I signed up for. And so I just felt so misplaced. I felt like I was just a mom. Where is us? And so antennas went up. And he began to like, whoa, this woman is serious. She really means it. And I was ready to pack up and go home. So he began to... Um, Read books on marriage, write this one down, rekindled. Amazing. If you're struggling and you want to know, get some help. It's an amazing book, rekindled. Um, he began to listen to preachers on the radio. Um, he began to read the Bible. He began to talk to other people. So I saw things that were actually starting to move in the right direction. But being the pessimistic person that I am, I knew if I give him just enough time, he'll quit. He'll quit doing it. He'll stop doing these things. Well, guess what? We moved again. Okay? So we're just into a different area, same town, same church, and all that. We're still finding a church, but we moved into a different place. 
And while I was there, um, I was watching Little House on the Prairie. And Charles had been gone for two weeks. And he came back, gives his dirty laundry to Carolyn, or is it Carolyn or Carolyn? Carolyn? Anyway, to his wife. And she, um, and he unpacks all the whatever and gets to her, and then gets clean clothes, loads up with the groceries, and gets ready to go again. And she's like, oh, you just got home. I don't want you to leave. And he's like, well, I, I have to. I've got to get this other delivery. And she's just like, no, please stay. Please stay. I miss you so bad. The kids miss you. Please don't go. And this went back and forth and back and forth. So finally he said, okay, you want me to stay? And she's like, yes, please. And he's like, all right. So he gets down off the wagon. He goes, I'll stay. And she's like, you will? Oh, well, you can go then. That was it. I bawled my eyes out. Aha moment. I shared this with him. It was our aha moment that that was what I was missing. I wasn't number one. I wasn't important, or I didn't feel important because he had this, this, this. And don't get me wrong, all the things that I listed, he's building relationships with people at the new basketball and golf, and he's counseling and giving the message and doing this. I mean, there was nothing bad in what he was doing. It just, there was no us. And so it was like God, it skipped the family, and then it went to church. But that's not the order. It's God, family, and then the church. Amen. And so once we really realized that, then that's when... He began to realize, I see. And then the candy bars started coming, and the flowers started coming, and he started to, and he started saying, hey, what if I stayed home for basketball tonight? And you know what, guys? And, and really, this is women, too. What happened was totally the opposite of what he thought would happen. Because I knew when he was on the basketball court, and he was bouncing that ball, or he was golfing, that I was on his mind, and I was number one, I wanted him to go. I encouraged him to go. It's okay, because I knew in my heart I was the absolute most important thing this side of God. And that's all I needed. So I just want to encourage you guys and women. If you were to ask each other when you get home today, where do I stand in your eyes? What do you think that they would say? And we just really begin with God first. Once God is in his place, things start to fall in a lot better. And then just begin to put your spouse number one. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. All right, let's go to the third thought now. I appreciate that. She really endured a lot for the first seven years of our marriage, and I appreciate her sticking with me because the last thing I wanted was divorce, divorce like my mom. My mom's been married six times now. My uncle's been married seven times. It just goes in the family. And so I thank God. We've been married 41 years next Sunday. Amen. (laughs) Praise God for my wife. 41 years. She stuck with me that long. So affection. Affection, we spell it, intimacy is affection. Now, how does, how does the men, how does men, how do they spell intimacy? There you go. You got it. Looky there. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is, okay? How does a woman, how does she spell intimacy? Exactly. Now, tell me we're not different, all right? Miles apart. And so here we have to understand that a man, when he thinks of intimacy, it, he thinks of a passionate physical experience where the wife feels a deep connection, an emotional connection through this communication and a holding and just talking. So here's the man. Very simple, right? <laughs> We're not even going to talk about that part of it, okay? okay? 
duh. All right, so the, the women over here, though, it's a more of a complicated issue. And since I'm a man, we're going to talk about this. And since I'm the pastor, we're going to talk about this, all right? How to meet your spouse's, your wife's need for intimacy, all right? And, and let, me just get, let, me just, let me just say this right before we... Man, I learned this, this was years ago. Don't spend all your energy at work during the day. Save some for your wife when you get home. Why? Because what I'm about to tell you, for us, not for the women, but for us, it's hard work. All right? It's, it's difficult. I don't know why, but what I'm about to tell you, these five things I'm about to tell you, is hard for a man. It takes work. So you're going to have to save some energy for when you get home for your marriage. All right? So let me give you, let me give you five things that will help your wife or have you meet your, your wife's enemies. Number one, listen to her. That's hard work for a man. <laughs> listen to her. All right? I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just with your ears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to her with your eyes. Listen to her with your body. Lean in. She's the most valuable thing in the world to you, and you know it. We just don't express it sometimes. You know, when she's talking and she wants to talk her 2,000 or 20,000 words, whatever it is, to your 5,000. I don't know how that all works out. All right? But when she wants to talk, she wants you to listen. And if you're over here doing something else, I hear you, honey. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And you're over here doing... It doesn't communicate that she's valuable to you. Can I hear amen, man? It doesn't work that way. She wants listen to her, and it's hard for us to do that. Number two, give her your undivided attention. What do I mean by that? Turn the TV off. <laughs> I learned this with football. Okay, I love football. I'm a Colts fan. Playoff time. Follow this through. It's playoff time, right? Every Thursday, every Sunday, every Monday, it's playoff time. And you're excited. I come home and the cord to my TV's cut. <laughs> Honey, what'd you do? What are you talking about? I stripped the cord. Boom, plug those wires. Bare wires right in the wall. It's playoff time. I'm going to show you who's valuable. I did that. That was really dumb. I, I did that. Tim, you remember that? No. Oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah. All right. Give her your undivided attention. Turn off the phones. Turn off the computer. Lean in. Ask her a question about what she's talking about. So that she knows I mean, you, you're trying to meet her intimacy. You're trying to meet that need that she has to connect with somebody. Sit down at the end of the day and talk to her about her day. Ask her about her day. It's, 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 guys, we, our wives are the most important thing to us. We, we understand that. But we just don't know how to show it in such a way that she gets it. That's what we got to know them. Know what makes them tick. Know how they think. And that's not easy. We don't want to, we're guys. We don't want to spend that much time in a relationship. Are we, I mean, that we're just, we're easy. We're plain as vanilla can be. All right? 
This takes work for us. Last of all, go to bed together. Okay? Go to bed together. Just hold each other. No funny business. Just go to bed together. All right? Why is that so important? Because it connects. It shows her. Now, if you're like me, you stay up late. Okay? And so we, we can go to bed. We'll watch a little bit of TV, and I'll hold her, and then she'll fall asleep. And then, you know, turn out the lights, and then you can watch some more TV, and then about two hours later, go to sleep. But you're there. Let me give you an illustration. Two years ago, I was at this, three years ago, whatever it was, I was at this pastor's conference. I kid you not. I was one of the speakers, and so they had me up on the stage, about 400 preachers there. They had me up and did this Q&A in the middle of this preaching session. And I was, I, was, I was over here on the left. There was three other guys up here. And this one preacher stood up and he said this. He said, he said uh, I have this couple. I just don't know what to do. I have this guy. He's a gamer. Everybody knows what a gamer is, right? They just, okay. He's a gamer. And him and his wife are having real serious problems because he wants, when it's time to go to bed, he goes into the front room and he gets out the gaming stuff and he plays games with his friend I don't know how that works on the internet or something with his friends. And she goes to bed. And she is about to die. What can I do? And these three guys, I kid you not, they're all pastors. This guy's a pastor. And each one of them said, well, you know, it's a different culture we're living in. It's a different culture. You know, it's okay for that guy to stay up. And Gaming is real. Everybody's into gaming. It's okay. And each one of them, it comes to me, I think... What are you, you guys dumb as a box of rocks? I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. The Bible tells us, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Not that Christ wants us to die. He wants us to live for our wives. And I actually said that to this guy. I said, go home and get the guy alone and show him this verse. That she has this need of connecting when she goes to bed. And I said, there's a compromise. Go to bed with her, and when she goes to sleep, get up and do your gaming. And I promise you, she'll be satisfied. These guys over here were like. So it made me wonder, should I go talk to them about their marriages? Amen? (laughs) All right? I mean, this, we've got to think outside the box, know our spouse, what it will take to meet that need. So powerful if you literally apply this. Those of you that are single, you need this stuff. This is vital. Number four, amnesty. I needed an A word, right? <laughs> Means pardon, forgiveness, all right? One thing we need in marriage is forgiveness because we're always doing things to hurt each other. One guy said his marriage is like a beef stew relationship. He beefs, And she stews about it. All right. Resentment will kill your marriage quicker than anything. I mean, when when you live together for a long period of time, there's things that irritate us. And, And we do it unintentionally a lot of times, but sometimes we do it intentionally. But there needs to be forgiveness. If there's not, listen, when 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 your spouse offends you. There's two ways to handle it. You can rehearse it or you can release it. Rehearse it or release it. 
And what I find is those that rehearse it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the problem seems to grow and it complicates. What we need to do is release. We need to forgive. And this is, this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is simply saying, okay, honey, this is specifically how you offended me. You robbed me of this, this, and this. You made me uh, uh, feel this way, and so you just robbed me. So, so I'm choosing to release, release you from what you owe me. That's biblical forgiveness. And you set them down, and you tell them, and you say, I choose to forgive you. And you can even write the date down if you struggle with this one specific thing. And when you choose to forgive them and release it, it's done. Then if it comes back to your mind, that's Satan, bring it up, all your flesh, bring it up. It's not of the Lord. And so then you have to deal with this. Unforgiveness destroys marriages. It destroys that intimacy. And it builds these walls. And there's so many things that, that take place in our lives that causes this problem. Let's go to Colossians 3.13. Let's look at the screen here. Colossians 3.13. Make allowances for each other's faults. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. See, this is all biblical. So you must forgive others. Specifically, first, to your spouse. Okay? Just as Christ forgave. What have you done that Christ needs to forgive you? Hello? A lot of stuff. And so just as Christ has forgiven you, forgive your spouse. Release them. Listen, listen to what he, 1 Corinthians, I don't have this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to these verses. Beginning in verse 4. 13, 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Now, this is love. It is not irritable, not moody. Now, listen. It keeps no record of being wronged. It keeps no record. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices in the truth when it wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. But what I really want you to grab a hold of is that one thought. That love, true agape love, putting the other first, is not holding an account of all the things that you've done wrong, but rather releasing, forgiving, letting them go, putting that person first. Listen, resentment and unforgiveness destroys you more so than the one that you're harboring feelings toward. Last of all, appreciation. Appreciation. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up. Just as you already do. Appreciation. Everybody needs appreciation. The power of praise can change somebody's life. Don't nag. Brag. Find something to build up your spouse. It raises their value. 
It encourages them. Now, a lot of this, I'm coming from the point of actually experiencing pretty well everything here we've experienced in our marriage. But when you praise somebody, pick things that, that you praise about rather than pick apart their personality, their faults. Remember what that other verse? Overlook their faults. And wait for the perfect time when God wants you to speak out. Don't speak out when they speak out about your fault. Can I hear an amen? There's a time in which you should do that. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says. But continue encouraging one another. How often? Daily. How often should you say encouraging things about your spouse? Daily. As long as it's called today. And there is an opportunity. It's biblical. Appreciate your spouse. Let me go to one more verse. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says this. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All right. Appreciate your spouse. Be thankful for your spouse. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If we want God's blessings on our marriage, we have to apply biblical principles so that it puts us in the place of being blessed. If we're going to say no to his book, those things sound good, Lord, but yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Don't expect God's hand of blessing on your marriage. It ain't going to work. Because you saw people that just come to church and put their time in, the divorce rate is higher on the Christian. That's just the way it is. You need to understand, this is an opportunity for you to raise the value of your spouse. Right now, today. We've gone through this. We, we went through this and been studying for this for weeks. Been praying for you for weeks. It's an opportunity. Right now is an opportunity for you to grab your spouse and say, God, please bless our marriage. We need you in this relationship. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. No one looking around. We got, we got gobs of time. We're not in a hurry. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes just for a moment. We all agree. We want God's blessings. But our flesh fights against us. The world we live in fights against us. Satan the demons from hell fight against our marriages and our relationships. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I know it's unusual, but we're going to give you opportunity to grab a hold of your spouse. Bring them down here this morning. That one that you're in relationship with. Bring them down here this morning and just cry out to God and say, God, we want you to bless this marriage. We want you to bless this home. And then, and then go on and specifically say, God, help me to raise the value of my spouse. To help her or help him see that he's number one. Help me to do things and, and, and be the kind of person that raises that. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If this is you, just step out this morning and come down here and say, Oh God, please bless this marriage. Will you come? Yes, amen. Don't hesitate. Just step out.
bring your spouse, bring that one you're in a relationship with, come down here and cry out to God and say, oh God, bless this marriage. We're going to give you a few minutes. Father, we come to you this morning just thanking you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you care about our marriage. You care about our homes. You care, Father, about our children. And Father, we just add to this this morning. Those of us that made a commitment that we're going to follow your word, that we're going to build our house upon a rock. Father, there's going to be times that we fall and times that we stumble, times that we don't want even want to. But Father, I pray your spirit would motivate us to come back to this that we want to build our house upon a rock and that we put, put a deep hunger and desire in each one of us to live by the word. And then, Father, bless our families, bless our marriages. Use them to help others to see your incredible love that you have for the world. And we'll give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We're going to have the ushers come at this time. And we're going to take an offering. And then Jason is going to give the announcements.